a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah, Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people on RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Tuesday night edition of the show, 14th of March. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig, and how are you? Better than you. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting up. How about you? I'm laying down on an ice pack. <laughs> you, uh, you had a little back issue. Yeah, six years without any back problems at all. All you do is move the wrong way, and back it comes. But it's not as bad by any means as it was in the past. Well, and, and I mean, let's be honest, you know, you, you can go a long time without a major back issue, but you've had a couple of twinges. We all do. Right. You know, those of us with back issues. Um, right. You know, and, and it, it's been a long time since you've had it to this extent, certainly. Yeah. Yeah, I'm hoping by tomorrow I will be out and about don't push it. That's that's my advice, and you know that as well as I do. You've had oh, back yeah. issues as I have, and and uh, you know if you you know the the first day that you're feeling like you can go out and do something, and you go out and do something, that's when you really screw it up. So that's true. You and know that. Yeah, but I I consider myself very lucky. I have long spans. I can go 10 years, six years. These issues don't come up one after another for me. But it's surprising. You know, you think that you're doing something strenuous and you have no problem at all. Right. You bend down to clean out a cat litter box and it's like the world ended. (laughs) You know, the last time, and it's been a good number of years, but the last time I really screwed mine up, I was picking up a little tiny flat of marigolds. Couldn't have weighed a pound and a half. Oh, dear. But but it was just the way I bent over and maybe twisted a little bit as I was picking it up. It wasn't so much the picking it up. It was the way I bent over, I think. And uh, and there it went. Right. It's just a matter of twisting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Well. I should be back out and doing what I love to do, going out to eat and shopping. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we all need our hobbies. (laughs) I need a break from the politics at times. Well, you know, for people that do what we do, and we're so ingrained in it, yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I got got a call from uh, a friend of mine today, and we were talking about some other stuff, and she said, "Hey, let me ask you what you know. What you think of uh, this whole bank collapse?" 
And, uh, and so then we had a conversation about that. Now, you and I are going to get into that uh, a little bit later right. here in the quick hitters tonight. So I don't want to say anything about yes. it now. But, I mean, that's the way it goes for you and I. We, we can be uh, talking with other people about totally non-political things, and somehow it always goes back to politics. I know. I know. I guess, for me, I grew up. My father was in politics, and I grew up with politics, and it's kind of second nature. Yeah, and I, you know, I didn't grow up in a, uh, you know, a, a real political household. Uh, we paid attention to politics, you know, and we, we watched the news every night, um, you know, so we were, we were very in tune with it. It wasn't until uh, I was in college, actually, that I really got into it. And I blame the editor of my college newspaper, who I work closely with. Uh, his name was Larry Sparks. And uh, I blame him for it because he was a big Ronald Reagan supporter. Ah. And, okay. uh, you know, at that point, uh, you know, in, in the 1980 election, I, it, it, you know, I, just, I couldn't get enthused about any of it. And, uh, but Larry just kept at it and at it. And I thought, you know, Larry's a pretty smart guy. And if, if he's really behind, um, Ronald Reagan, maybe I better look into this. And of course you, you couldn't look into Ronald Reagan very hard and you were suddenly hooked. Exactly. You know, exactly. and well, I, I got into it, uh, even though I grew up in a political family, I, left that all behind and I got back into it though 9/11 that day yeah that set my thoughts on politics well I you know I, once I was once I was in it I was in it and okay. uh, and I covered uh, state politics in Nebraska as a photographer and got to know uh, you know different state senators and eventually governors and and mayors and and that you know transferred of course into the national scene and you know so it, it just kind of you know mushroomed from there so yeah well i was raising children before you know the, uh, when you have young children and 911 hits and it, it just sets something off in me and i have not stepped back since then yeah yeah. So, folks, look, we got a lot of stuff to cover tonight. Um, Diane, you're talking about the cause and effect of silencing free speech. Yes. Okay, and I've got insurrection, lies, and videotape. Mm-hmm. Let's start with quick hitters. And uh, uh, Trump, President 45, is now facing some back backlash, and it's not like you and I haven't talked about this, right? Okay, and and if if he w would listen to right side patriots, he'd probably change his tune. But he's facing backlash now for praising your former uh, governor, right, Charlie Crist, Democrat while, governor. Yep. Yes. Well, Crist is flip flop parties. Chris flip-flops every couple of years. Right. He's been a Republican. He's been a Democrat. He's been an Independent. Now he's back to being a Democrat again. He's just 
he's just a waste. Well, and, and Chris apparently had some not-so-nice things to say about Ron DeSantis, and Trump picked up on that and praised Charlie Crist for that. And what was it that he said, Diane, about Crist compared to DeSantis? Oh, dear, this gets me so mad. The reason Crist doesn't like DeSantis is because DeSantis cleaned his butt by over 19 points. That's, <laughs> that's what that all has to do with. Well, what President Trump said was, for those of you who didn't notice, Florida was doing great long before Ron DeSantis, you know, got there. People are fleeing from New York to Florida and other places because of high taxes and out of control crime. It really is that bad. Not because of the governor. Thank you, Mr. President, for doing that. Huh? What? Huh? Not because I, uh, of the, the governor who has turned our whole state around. We were a purple state. We are now diehard red state. It's Trump's policies that made Florida great? Well, it certainly wasn't Charlie Crest. No, it not at all. Charlie Crist is a woke, dyed-in-the-wool liberal. You know, this This is it, this falls right in line with what you and I have been saying now for the last several months. Trump needs to quit ragging on Ron DeSantis and stick to policy. Now, here's here's the deal. If Trump would stick to policy matters, what he did while he was in the Oval Office that made America great again, making us energy independent, putting us back front and center on the world stage, uh, making all the boats float higher economically, you know, so on and so forth. Uh, if Trump would stick to that stuff, he wouldn't be getting backlash, but Trump only knows one way to campaign, and that's to go after who he perceives as the greatest threat. And in this case, that's Ron DeSantis. Yes. Well, Trump also needs to campaign on his strengths, and he needs to start attacking the policies of the Democrats. Don't attack somebody in your own party that's successful. Remember Ronald Reagan's cardinal rule about not attacking your own. Right. And here it is. That's what he's doing. He's not talking about what a great economy we had under him. He's not talking about his foreign policy pluses, the Abraham Accords, no wars during his presidency. He's not talking about the border how he cut those numbers way, way down. All he's doing is making up stupid nicknames for anybody that opposes him and attacking the one man who is a real threat to him. And, you know, DeSantis is so good, he's not saying a word. Yeah, and that's got to be getting under Donald Trump's skin. Yes, you know, because he's he's used to going after somebody and then bringing them down, right? And and then rolling around in the mud with them. And DeSantis right. won't won't do it. You know, he just won't do it. Right. What's really funny is when DeSantis won, and it was I. It was either by nineteen point four or nineteen point five points over Chris. He congratulated him. You did great. You're going to do great. And then when all these different things happened in Florida. Before this all started, 
oh, he's doing wonderful. I really support him, blah, blah, blah. Suddenly, the man who has not even announced that he's running, Trump perceives as his biggest enemy. But what he's doing, it's not that he perceives him as his enemy, because it's politics, it's a dirty game. But what he perceives him at is a threat to his ego. Right. Now, let me... Let me give our listeners a direct compare and contrast in style. Okay. Okay. Over the last week, Trump was holding Trump rallies, and DeSantis uh, has been in Iowa, and he's on his way to New Hampshire. Right. Okay. At the Trump rallies, Trump is attacking, (coughs) excuse me, Ron DeSantis on on the quote-unquote campaign trail because he hasn't formally announced but you know you don't go to iowa and you don't go to new hampshire if you're not about to get in okay so we'll say it on the campaign trail instead of attacking trump desantis is attacking joe biden yes and that's where it needs to stay okay if trump was smart at this point in, instead of turning people in his own party off with these, uh, you know, name-calling attacks, he would stick to attacking the party that's trying to destroy the country instead of people in his own party. Who are trying to stop the man destroying our country. His focus right. is totally the wrong place it's on himself his focus is on himself and by the way he's driving a bigger wedge between him and ivanka well i mean you know the the whole thing is trump knows one way to campaign because you know that's what he does right and you know he's he's got to come off this uh or he's going to wind up struggling mightily uh, to get the nomination in a year. So we'll see. You know, we'll, well you see know what's what happens. Funny? I can't wait to hear a real debate between the two of them. That would be interesting. Because DeSantis, besides being a Navy SEAL, an ex Navy SEAL, he's a JAG lawyer. Yeah. I mean, Trump that, has made his, met, met his match, as they say. That's going to be an interesting situation, and, and it'll it'll happen. Yes. That that day will so. come. Uh, this is going to come as a shock to a lot of people uh, because you know nobody ever saw this coming. Uh, the BLM is in a new scandal this time in Boston. Now I know the BLM people are rocked by this because the BLM has such an upstanding reputation. Mm-hmm. But Black Lives Matter apparently has been playing fast and loose with COVID dollars in Boston. Yes, and they are facing over a dozen charges. It's a couple from BLM, Monica Cannon Grant and Clark Grant, I guess their husband and wife. They are facing over a dozen charges stemming from their community-based advocacy group, which was called VIB. They established that group in 2017, and it seems since then they've been funneling up money off of it. Well, I mean, this isn't new. I mean, we, we've seen uh, BLM individual, you know, heads of different BLM, uh, you know, outlets uh, spending millions and millions of dollars on fancy mansions uh, 
out in California, um, you know, and, and uh, they can't account uh, for money. And so this time, it wasn't donations that they spent on what they shouldn't spend it on. This time, it was COVID money that they applied for and got, and apparently applied for falsely. Yeah, 18, they're being charged with 18 counts. What they used it for, instead of using it, what they said they were going to use it for, things like uh, personal travel, gas, restaurants, hotel reservations, nail salon appointments, auto repairs, and rideshare services. How much money are we talking about here? Uh, over a million dollars. Enough to, to garner some attention. I believe so. And they both they lied about uh, two mortgage applications. Ah, there you go. See, they're they're buying houses. Yep. Just not, like the uh, previous uh, right. bunch. Not one, but apparently two different houses. Yes. And I mean, and I guarantee you, you know, this is going to get looked into. It's going to get swept under the rug because they're not going to be fi- be able to find any money trail that's true well it's going to be uh, laying down is is hard when you're doing this guys they're going to be um let off or everything's going to be ignored because they're black let's tell it like it is yeah a little slap on the wrist and have a nice day right blm of course they get away with everything i mean these are the liberal darlings Right. And, uh, you know, they can they can do whatever they want. And, you know, it's only other people's money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here's something interesting. Amazon actually removed them from their charity platform last year. Well, that's that's a good sign. Yeah. You know, but well, Amazon I, has its own troubles. Well, yeah, but why did it take Amazon so long? That's the question I have. I mean, we've we've known about the shenanigans of BLM and and what they've done with money that they never should have done. Why did it take Amazon so damn long? Because Amazon isn't as squeaky clean as everybody thinks it is either. Well, nobody's watching. I mean, that's what it really comes down. Nobody's paying attention. And let's face it, Amazon is another one of these liberal, um, you know, woke, um, you know, they're more concerned with equity than equality, uh, you know, type companies. And, you know, they support uh, all these left-wing causes, uh, you know, thus they support the BLM. You know, so they didn't want to. They didn't want to jump on the bandwagon when all the initial malfeasance came to light a few years ago. They waited. Yeah, and you know, left wing causes goes beyond for BLM because I actually, and it's my opinion alone, folks. I'm not speaking for anyone. It's my opinion. I think they're a domestic terrorist organization. I, I think they're the next thing to it. I think maybe Antifa is more terrorism related because I think Antifa has become the pseudo military wing uh, of the of the left and and you know doing what 
uh, BLM couldn't organize themselves to do. Um, you know, I, th- I think your your paramilitary, let's say, behavior, a lot of the arson, a lot of the looting, a lot of the, the riots and stuff were really being pushed by Antifa, but in the name BLM of BLM. Before them. I BLM understand that. To do the burning. I, I don't care who things. came. It doesn't matter who came first. What matters is who was who's been doing more of the violence, and I think more of the violence has been perpetrated by Antifa in the name of BLM, in support of BLM. They've kind of become the the, uh, the militant wing of the BLM. Well, then they want it. They're basically one and the same. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about this Silicon Valley Bank that went belly up. Uh, over the weekend, um, is it, you know, talk about a situation where nobody was paying attention. Oh my God! Mm-hmm. You know, Silicon Valley Bank, they they get way way overextended. Um, you know, when when the interest rates were down around one point four percent, and then of course, you know, the government starts printing up money and spending it like drunken sailors. And all of a sudden, interest rates start going up and up and up and up because the Fed is way behind on trying to control inflation. And Silicon Valley Bank and, and now a couple of others have gotten into a position where all these risky investments they made when interest rates were low, they're upside down on now, and they ran out of liquid assets and had to fold. Yeah. But the words that are bothering a lot of um, investors and also the talking heads, the business talking heads, the Wall Street talking heads, are the two words moral hazard. I never really equated morals with banks. Yeah, that's that's a hard... uh that's a hard connection to make. Yeah. I mean, that's kind yeah. of like connecting morals to attorneys. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. You know. That's very true. Uh, but I but don't what's, think, What is the know, definition of that anyway? I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's kind of open-ended, but those are the words that are being thrown around. What I don't like about this is Biden is saying, oh, yeah, we're going to bail this one out, this bank out and that bank out. Now, you notice these banks, the two banks that are in trouble, they're tech banks. Right. Silicon Valley, everybody knows what that is. And, and the other one is also a tech bank. And before these banks were shut down, they paid bonuses to their own people. Well, it had big parties, big lavish parties. Right. That's where the moral aspect, I guess, comes in with with those words. But Biden thinks, oh, yeah, we're going to bail them out. Well, who do you think is going to end up paying for that? Well, taxpayers. Yeah, he he's you know Biden says there's not not any taxpayer money going into this thing, and and oh. we're not taking care of the investors. We're taking care of the depositors, and I call BS on all of it. I do too. You know, I do. We're going to end up paying for this nonsense. I let them collapse. Let them go out of business. These two banks are very self-contained in a sense because they service, like I said, one particular industry. The banks across America are not going to collapse. 
No, and that's that's part of the conversation I had with this friend of mine today. And I said, you know, uh, unless the local banks have invested in all this greeny weeny bull, you know, then then they're probably safe. But you know, the the problem here is Biden is bailing out the depositors. Why? Because the depositors in Silicon Valley Bank are his donors. Exactly. And the other bank, the second bank that's failing, deals mostly in cryptocurrency. Yeah, that should tell you all you need to know right there. Yeah, that should really tell you, you know, (laughs) no treasure to back it up, but we got cryptocurrency. Well, but I mean, there's more to it than just bailing out these two banks. What this does is it gives the government more control over all banks. Yes. Okay, and don't be a bit surprised if down the road in the next year or two, they're going to try to switch everything to electronic currency. That will never fly in this country. It, it won't, but don't put it past the government. Because oh, if, if the government controls it and it's electronic currency, the government then controls we the people. Right. And, and, and I simple. think there'll be there'll be a revolution way before that happens. I hope so. I hope people are paying attention. Finally, in the quick hitters tonight, Russia's mercenary forces are not doing so well over in Ukraine. No, they're not. And Putin is blaming the Wagner Group, which is a very infamous group of basically mercenaries. And uh, he's blaming them for his and his troops not getting back certain territories in Ukraine. You know, they're they're struggling in some of those territories, the Russians are. Um, And, you know, on paper, Russia should have an easy time of it. But paper isn't reality. No. Well, Putin vastly underestimated estimated the will and the strength of the Ukrainian people and the Ukrainian army. Well, now, I, I, I think you're right. I think he underestimated the, the will and, and the, uh, the, just the, the resolve of the Ukrainian military. But at the same time, I think he overestimated his own mercenary forces. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, they've been dispersed all over and all skirmishes everywhere. He sends them sort of as his first line. And the Ukrainian military, in the beginning, when when that mercenary group went into Ukraine, they were like slaughtered by the Ukrainian forces. Well, Putin's been using them like fodder. I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. He's sending them basically into suicide missions. Well, and his mercenary forces, the people leading his mercenary forces, are not very happy about that. And so they're not putting up the kind of fight that Putin expected them to put up. And why would you? Exactly. I mean, what the mercenary group should do if they were smart, take out Putin. Take out Putin or, or join the Ukrainians. Yeah. You know, maybe both. Either way, he, yeah. he loses. Maybe both. You yeah. know, but it, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because he thought, Putin that is, 
he thought sending those mercs in there was going to make a huge difference and swing the advantage to him. Nope. You know, and it's not working out that way. No. More and more people uh, are turning against him. In fact, the head of the unit has turned against him. You know, and here's, here's, the, here's the most interesting aspect of all of it. If, if we'd have done what we should have done at the onset of this thing a year ago, they would have shoved Putin and, and the Russian army right out of Ukraine. But yeah. we've been dinking around with it, nickel and dime. You know, I hate to say nickel and diming when you're talking about billions upon billions of dollars, but we're trickling the aid in. And if, if we'd have gone flat out from the very beginning, said, here's the F-16s, here's the missiles you need, here's this, here's that, this would have been over. Yeah. And what people don't understand, what started really as a territorial war between Ukraine and Russia has escalated into the beginnings of World War III. Right, which is which is one of the reasons if we were going to get involved in any way, shape, or form, we should have gone all in at the beginning. Exactly. You know, now we're in a position where we've trickled this stuff in, you know, bits and pieces, and now... You know, we're we're in it, but we've allowed Russia to, to gain more momentum than they ever should have. Right. Oh, and I do want to say one thing and set the record straight, people. Ukraine was a very corrupt government. Right. right. But not under Zelensky. He only got elected in, what was it, 2019? Right, right. The, the stuff everybody is complaining about and the corruption all started on the previous president of Ukraine, who was supported by Barack Hussein Obama and Joe Biden. Zelensky has been trying to clean up the corruption. People are not looking at the time frame the way it should be looked at. Zelensky is not a globalist. He's not corrupt. And anybody who says, oh, he was an actor, well, guess what? So was one of our greatest ever president's Ronald Reagan. Folks, we've made it to the bottom of the hour, and that means we got to take a quick break here. Um, when we come back, Diane's talking about the cause and effect of silencing free speech, and in about a half an hour, I'm talking about insurrection, lies, and videotape. Folks, stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on the patriotfactor.blogspot.com. 
where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out the National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. If you miss any part of this Tuesday night show, you can just go to rspradio1.com tomorrow, click the podcast button, this show and all the others will be right there waiting for you. All right, Diane, you've taken on uh, a topic that's been front and center and it's not going away, uh, the cause and effect of silencing free speech. Yes, and I have to preface this by saying this concerns an incident in my city, and because it concerns my city's elected officials, I had to preface it with this. Below is my opinion and beliefs based upon my having attended and having watched our broadcasted city meetings, plus information and videos I readily found in the public record. Okay. There's an old saying that goes, all politics is local, and to some degree that certainly does ring true, especially in matters concerning what I believe to be a mean-spirited and inconsistent elected official who has their eyes set on moving up the political ladder, an official who, sadly it seems, will willingly sell their city and constituents out in the process of doing so. And this is more than a bit troubling in that said official who is term-limited out, will, if the rumors are true, be moving out of the city once there a lot of time in office is served. And individuals such as this at times do deem themselves to be above the law regarding a constituent's First Amendment right to free speech as they, they most times being a city or town's mayor in their role as parliamentarian, will sit on the dais barking out threats of one being removed from the speaker's podium by the police if one dares to criticize, even politely criticize, with proof in hand, their actions or votes taken. Basically hijacking a constituent's constitutionally given right to verbally and in-person address via public stated their grievances, said official has then set themselves up as both judge and jury of the constituents' words spoken. And why? Simply because those words might dare to help expose possible wrongdoings on the official's part or might even reek of possible appearances of impropriety, which by state statute could lead to said official having to recuse themselves from voting on the issue pertaining to stated grievance, 
being officially and or publicly reprimanded, or in some cases, all three. And when said vote regards an issue that the overwhelming majority of the city's constituents are against, one has to wonder why the deciding vote would be cast by the very person said constituent tried to expose, but were silenced from doing so via threats of bodily removal from the meeting's premises. Sadly, such is the case in my small city, the name of which and the persons involved I legally dare not put in writing, a case revolving around a petition for structure that not only goes against the long-standing architectural integrity of our city, but the safety and well-being of city residents as well. And Craig, just as importantly, said structure would predominantly serve non-city residents instead of those who call our city home. And, you know, I I just want to highlight, too, that the reason you did this op-ed the way you did and the way you're doing this segment is because this could be anybody's city. I mean, it's it's about your city, but it could be any city USA, you know, And, and this is why people need to pay attention to this. Now, you know, there are a lot of questions that you're bringing up, even this, you know, near the front of the op-ed. So talk a little bit about the structure and who it is meant to serve and who it is not meant to serve, because I think this lends a lot of light to the topic. Right. I will, you know expose the structure and the persons after, but I think as we go on, people will know what I'm talking about. And why would such structure be serving non-city residents as opposed to residents? Because the latest U.S. official government census report, along with the campaign donations of the official involved, definitively shows this very disparity as being truth. And by my saying the official involved, to that I must also add those individuals who knowingly or even unknowingly might be involved to a lesser degree, but just as an important degree. How and why so? The act of misinterpreting the law has at times proven to be just as dangerous as not following the letter of the law. And in this case, especially being when the wishes of outsiders as in non-residents, non-residents whose pockets run deep are more important to some on the dais than the health, safety, and welfare of the constituents they were elected to serve. And when fear of a petitioner's possible legal reprisal is thrown into the mix, a dangerous situation usually arises as fear alone does tend to temper down and cloud one's better judgment and use of common sense. Now, we've all heard the term blockbusting, which the Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines as profiteering by inducing property owners to sell hastily and often at a loss by by appealing to fears of depressed values because of threatened minority encroachment and then reselling at inflated prices. And while this in the is the most known and accepted definition of said term, and in the past primarily referred to black families moving into white neighborhoods, that definition, thankfully, no longer applies to persons of color, most especially not in this case. 
but instead encompasses a certain so-called religious minority, a religious minority whose long-range goal, I and others believe, is not to stay a minority much longer and do so by any and every means possible. And it's here where this particular issue comes into play from my city, a small-sized city, a city now predominantly comprised, dollars-wise, of mid- to high-end single-family homes, along with A-rated public schools, a city with no real urban center that would normally tend to draw outsiders in. And said city now sees a structure being proposed that would possibly be the multiple times per day destination point of those whose demographics do not reside in our city. In fact, our city's current population in regards to those residents who would be using said structure sees those very folks comprising but minus 1.0% of our city's total religiously affiliated population. And yet they're saying uh, non-resident demographics, but in way larger numbers, contributed large sums of money in one month to what was the then candidate, now term limited out, re-elected official. The very official who was the deciding vote after the petitioner's original variance request was denied. But with said official's vote cast, after having basically silenced residents dissenting voices who were against the structure condition, with conditional approval in a three to two vote and thanks to both commissioners who stood strong with their constituents, sadly Craig, mm. that was approved for the very structure the overwhelming majority of residents do not in any guise want. Okay, so this is getting more interesting by the minute. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you're talking about uh, an elected official. You're talking about a religion that's very much in the minority, pretty much anywhere mm-hmm. you look uh, around this country. If you even call it a religion. Right. So you may or may not be talking about Druids. No, I'm not talking you can't, about I, I I understand you can neither confirm nor deny that. Right. <laughs> but how far, basically, would somebody have to go to find a similar situation or a similar structure from okay. your particular area, wherever well, that it's is? Well, not, it's not the same kind of structure. I can assure people that. Okay. Okay. But I'm sure some of... My readers and listeners are curious as to why this particular structure is so rightfully opposed by most of our residents. In my opinion, it's simply because we all know what will come next. All anyone has to do who lives in this area is just drive down the road about three or so miles from where the proposed structure is to be built to see exactly what will come next. But in my city's case, and again in my opinion, It will be the aforementioned blockbusting, but on a citywide scale. How and why so? Because down said road, a huge mega compound pretending to be one family's home. It's actually, as per my research, being built to house an entire 
greatly extended family village of sorts is still undergoing construction against that city's residents' wishes, with huge sums of money also coming into play. And while said compound will house folks of the same minority religious denomination as those who likely will attend our city's structure in question, most of the compound's neighboring residents for blocks around have for sale signs on their property as they watch their multi-million dollar property values drop simply because of what is being built in an upscale residential area of their city. And know that the compound's owner has been busy buying up surrounding properties to expand not only said compound size, but to firmly establish his presence into said neighboring city. And that will also happen here in our city if this unwanted structure is built, as residents will surely start selling their homes and our overall property values will also start dropping, first in said structure surrounding neighborhoods and move outward throughout our small city from there. Yes, one structure can destroy a city, a city known statewide for its American hometown feel, and do so when, in my opinion, appearances of improprieties are being ignored, when the majority of residents of constituents' wishes are also ignored in favor of outsiders with money, and when I and many others tend to believe that a certain elected official acts as if saying, the hell with the constituents, property values be damned, I'm eyeing higher public office, and besides, I'll be out of here before the last brick is laid. That's what I believe, Craig. So, I don't know what's wrong with the Amish. They make furniture, they eat oatmeal. <laughs> I don't know what you have against the Amish, but, you know, if if you look it's at this... It's not the Amish, folks. <laughs> okay, so it's not the Amish, it's not the Druids. Right. Right. Okay. So if this all comes to play, okay, if this all comes into being, what options do do you or people in any city USA have under these situations? Okay. First, a little, little diversion. Okay. The above scenario is what I truly believe my city is now facing as our voices are for the most part being silenced my voice included. And that left me the only option, one option, to getting the truth out was to put pen to paper, or in my case, fingers to keyboard, as the truth not only about an elected official running amok must be told, but that the truth about increasing incursions into our cities and towns by folks with a decidedly anti-American agenda must reach the public discourse. After all, History itself does not lie. It's unchangeable by its very nature. Yet some will always relish in lying, with certain folks actually being commanded to lie. And it's these very folks, along with their questionable ideologies, who remain, in my opinion, threats to our American values, beliefs, ideals, and all we hold dear. And besides, Even a threat can sometimes manifest itself in the simple guise of a building. A building seeing constituent silencing um, elected officials seemingly having helped them in their bidding. 
So now it's up to we the people to help stop incursions like my city is facing and do so via our legal right to work towards changing or updating zoning and permitting laws previously passed that are not now, nor will they be in the future in the constituents' best interests. So how do we do this? Simply by petition. And this means that it is up to us to garner support, as in collect enough signatures, to be able to force what are now and possibly will remain very divisive issues and having them be placed on the ballot instead of their being commission decided. And we need to do this in the name of all residents whose voices are being silenced, yet who are willing to fight back against injustices rendered and do so no matter the amount of administrative red tape some city officials most assuredly will throw in our way. Not to take a stand now, for us to just roll over and surrender to those who I and many others believe have now overstepped ethical and impropriety bounds means that what's currently happening in my city just might come to your small city next. You know, it's it's an interesting situation. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I can understand fully why you wrote the op-ed in the way you did. And folks, by the way, uh, if you want a copy of the op-ed, you go to two different places. You can go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or you can go to rspradio1.com. Either place, you can find the article, you can grab the link, you can save it, you can share it. And if you've got a situation in your town that sounds something like this, maybe this can be a guideline for you too. Right. Now, the reason I have kept the specific name and what the structure is, is to protect everybody that's in our group. We're we're saying what we have to say, but we're not naming names. And that's very important. But let's just say... uh, Let's see. this, This might be a safe way to put it. In a town that's Judeo-Christian in nature, you don't build certain structures dead set in a high-end part or any end of that Judeo-Christian city. Well, and if the, if the structure in question, and this is the case you know, with what you're talking about, if it doesn't cater to residents of the city, but caters to people that don't even live there, there's no exactly. reason for it to be there. There is absolutely no reason to be here at all, especially in the particular area that it's going. Now, you you mentioned it uh, in the in the segment here. And I should have highlighted it as we were going, but I didn't. Oh, here it is. Um, You're talking about a population base of negative 1.0 of your city's total religiously affiliated population. Right. Now, that can't be very many people, and I would think a structure that would cater to that uh, percentage of the population could be a phone booth. It could be any small building. 
my city has roughly uh, maybe 33,000 people all told, minus 1% of the population. Come on, guys, you're talking handfuls of people. The structure is huge. Now, we did so far uh, succeed in getting its size to be reduced and certain elements of the structure had to come way, way down. But there's other things involved, involving personages that go there that are not very nice, let's say. Uh, I don't know how far I can really say things. That's why I'm doing all the alludings. I mean, if it was up to me, I'd just spew it all out. Um, But it's a touchy situation, but I think my readers and my listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Well, I I think certainly, uh, you know, the people that live in your area have uh, full comprehension of what you're talking about. And I think they're all up in arms. Yeah. And I, I think, I think readers around the nation can figure it out. I mean, this, this is one of those that's not so much in your face, but if you read between the lines and you don't have to get out your double top secret Diane Sorry decoder ring to figure (laughs) this out, you know, if you just read between the lines, you can pretty well figure it out. Yes. I mean, there are certain things that do give it away, but let's just put it this way. It's, it's the city. Passed, passed it in a vote of three to two. The person I'm alluding to was the deciding vote. The tiebreaker. The tiebreaker. However, it's going farther up the food chain. Okay. All right. Good. Okay. And maybe I'll have some good news to report about it. Um, let's just say it doesn't belong here. There are plenty of other places that this can go. But this is these type of structures going into cities like this. This is being done on purpose. Well, and, and let's be honest here. Your your city, I mean, you know, your your community there is by and large a residential community. Now that's it not is all the, re- this city is residential. That's there not are, sorry. We don't have high risers. We don't. I, I think the tallest apartment building here is three stories, and the, and there's only one of them. And then there's a couple on the way outskirts of the city. This is a community of single family homes. Okay. What I what I was trying to say was, you know, this is a residential community, and by and large, the uh, religious affiliations that are there are neighborhood affiliations they cater to the people in a particular neighborhood and and in and in particular groups right and uh that have a much larger representation in your city than minus minus one percent yeah i mean i mean for for goodness sakes i mean this this is one of those common sense deals right 
that this is happening. This is thanks to the county. This is happening in Judeo-Christian neighborhoods throughout our country. We're not unique, folks. But we've got to stop it. Yeah, and, you know, I I think Diane and I have been talking about this for a while. Okay, and... And uh, so I know what I know the the ins and outs of it, and I just got to say, I think you're very much on the right track in what you're doing, okay. But I also need to tell people out there, a lot of times, and this is, I believe, the case that that Diane is talking about too. A lot of times, the people involved, the entities involved in something like this, keep it as far under the radar as possible until the very last minute and and that's how these things progress to the point where people get caught by surprise and and then you know it's it's a big uproar that's Um, what happened with this it was kept under wraps for so long and then they throw in um our lupa laws and that has to do with religious designation laws it's countrywide it's not just my area it's countrywide and it's it's causing havoc in cities across the country. And there's no main group that's fighting this because everybody's afraid of our loop of laws. Right. And right. they don't read them. There are ways to circumnavigate and difference- as much as there are ways to stop it, but people don't read that. And different cities... Different coding, different, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, zoning, uh, rules, regulations, laws, uh, you know, state to state, city to city. Folks, what what we're telling you here is get to know the laws that apply to your city and to your state and use them to your advantage. And don't sit there and be quiet about it. Stand up and say something. Right. But when you have an elected official who has the power as a parliamentarian to silence residents' voices, that's a very serious matter. And that's some of the stuff that's going to be going up higher on the food chain here. And denying us our First Amendment rights because you don't want your little itty-bitty feelings hurt? Yeah. No. It's got to stop. Will we be able to stop this? I doubt it. We've knocked the size down greatly, the height, everything about it has been knocked down, but it still looks like it's coming. Never People say never. Happy. You know, never say never. And, and No, we've got one chance. We've got one chance on stopping this. Yep. So one. stay tuned, folks. I mean, yes. down, down the road, we may be able to provide an update on this. Yes. But for now... If you want to check out the article and share the link, and I hope you do, you go to either Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or rspradio1.com. You can grab the link from either place, you can read the article, and you can share the link from either place, and we hope you do that. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> All right. So, we've made it to the top of the hour. That means one more segment on the show to go tonight. Take a quick break right here, and when we come back, 
I'm talking about insurrection, lies, and videotape. Stay mm-hmm. with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hey guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, Check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through a Tuesday night edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow, click the podcast button, and Bob's your uncle. Okay. All right, so there's been this brouhaha, brouhaha-ing, uh, all over Fox News because Tucker Carlson went on the air last week and started exposing that which would not be exposed by liberals. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's something that people have been clamoring for, and, well, it's it's been an interesting week, shall we say. Yes. An insurrection is an organized and usually violent act of revolt or rebellion against an established government or governing authority of a nation, state, or other political entity by a group of citizens or subjects meant to overthrow said government. On the other hand, a protest is a statement or action expressing disapproval or objection to something. What happened on January 6, 2021, was the latter, not the former. Elected members of the liberal elite have been telling us for better than two years that what happened on January 6, 2021, was an armed insurrection. They've told us that it was worse than the British sacking of the Capitol in the War of 1812. They've been telling us that it was on par or worse 
than the bombing of Pearl Harbor and 9-11. The mainstream media, being good little propagandist minions, echoed those talking points nonstop for the past two-plus years, and if you dared to disagree in posts on social media, you were censored, you were put in social media jail, or simply banned from social media platforms. Now, we've been told for the better part of two years that releasing the tens of thousands of hours of video from inside the Capitol on January 6th was a matter of national security, and thus, the American public was not allowed to view it. We were told that to release it would be dangerous and to our national security, nonetheless, and Elected liberal elites kept all that video footage locked up and away from curious eyes. Diane, all of that lock, stock, and smoking barrel was a lie. Oh, that was a huge, huge lie. And uh, what's interesting about the lie is we were able to know it was a lie as it was unfolding. I know, I know, this this is probably the worst lie in history. The January 6th committee existed in the House, and immediately after Republicans took control of that in January of this year, House leadership vowed to release the Kraken and release it, Kevin McCarthy, the new Speaker of the House, has done. McCarthy handed all 40,000-plus hours of Capitol video to Tucker Carlson roughly three or four weeks ago, and since then, Carlson and his team of producers have been pouring through it. Last week, Tucker Carlson started revealing what he and his producers saw as they slogged their way through better than 40,000 hours of insurrection videotape. And what they saw was exactly what Diane and I saw as it transpired live on January 6, 2021. Was there pushing and shoving going on outside of the Capitol in an attempt to get in? Yes. Did a few windows get broken? Yes. Were there a few people inside the Capitol who perpetrated vandalism? Yes. But None of that rose to the level of an insurrection, bloody or otherwise, and none of it was deadly. In fact, the only person killed that day was Ashley Babbitt, an unarmed woman trying to evade a crush of people in a narrow hallway right behind the house chamber as she crawled through a broken window. Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed by Capitol Police Officer Michael Byrd. Now, while Tucker Carlson did not include video of that murder of Ashley Babbitt, saying that it could not be definitively proven what happened, it actually can be proven because, while there was no Capitol security video from that hallway behind the House chamber, somebody was filming from that vantage point in that hallway at the moment of the murder. 27-year-old John Sullivan, a citizen journalist, caught the entire thing on camera. And I've got the video of that embedded in the blog. Naturally, the mainstream media has their panties in a wad over Tucker Carlson airing any of the dirty laundry they were trying to cover up for the past two years. Now, last week, NBC News ran with a headline, quote, Tucker Carlson with new video provided by Speaker McCarthy falsely depicts January 6th 
that falsely depicts January 6th riot as a peaceful gathering, unquote. Now, remember that the spawn of NBC, MSNBC, remember what they said about the Summer of Love riots back in 2020. Naturally, the reporter standing in front of a burning building saying that these protests were mostly not unruly, that reporter, Ali Velshi, claimed that the clip used and the clip I have in, in the blog was taken out of context. And to clarify his absurd statement, he later went on MSNBC and offered a rather obtuse response. And I've got that video, too. And at the end of that, Diane, he said, we cannot let protesters be likened to criminals. <sighs> First of all, everybody has to remember that some of the stuff we saw on January 6th was just mind-boggling. Police holding doors open to let protesters in. They were letting protesters in, not insurrectionists who were planning on burning down the building, throwing uh, Molotov cocktails or shooting up the place. They let protesters into the building. And what people also forget, and which sticks with me to this day, is President Trump's speech before the protest started. He never told anyone to storm the Capitol. He told people to peacefully protest. Well, I'll, I'll get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. All right. And you're, you're right. I mean, look. Nobody running into the Capitol that day or strolling into the Capitol that day was of the mind to throw a virgin into a volcano, primarily because there are no volcanoes in Washington, D.C., nor are there virgins. <laughs> but the, the point of showing these Ali Velshi videos is important because tens of thousands of hours of videos that elected liberal elite and their mainstream propagandists tried so desperately to hide from the public show us what actually transpired inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021, and it was nothing but a protest. And yet the same fools who told us that the Summer of Love rioters were generally not unruly are now telling us that people who did nothing approaching the level of violence of those riots should be likened to criminals. Belshi in his clarification video also said, and I quote, peaceful or not, protest is a critical part of democracy, unquote. To that, I have to say, we are a constitutional republic, not a democracy, and there is a big difference. But to be clear, Velshi called the riots arson, assaults, <clears throat> looting, and attacks on police and federal courthouses protests that were in general not unruly. And I've got another video of him talking about January 6th and the quote-unquote insurrection, which included no riots, no arson, no attacks on courthouses or police stations by people, a good deal of whom were ushered into the Capitol by the police. Mm -hmm. Velshi, trying to further clarify his previous clarification, in which he tries to draw a distinction between violent protests and protests with violence, and note that he refers to January 6th as 
an assault on democracy. Belshi's propaganda was from but one source and was echoed by every mainstream media outlet in the country. The simple fact is, nearly everything they said about the insurrection was a lie, and the videos prove it. No wonder they never wanted those videos released to the public. The truth undermines their lies, and their outrage over releasing the truth, according to them, is a threat to our democracy. Another way to look at it would be to say that covering up the truth and lying about the events of that day is a defense of our democracy, and that just doesn't even begin to make sense. Last week, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell said it was a mistake in his view for Fox News to depict this in a way that is completely at variance with what our chief law enforcement official here at the Capitol thinks. McConnell is an anti-Trump rhino who has jumped on the liberal bandwagon as a way to try and prevent the re-election bid by Donald Trump, and he's taking the word of Capitol Police Chief Thomas Manger. Manger mm-hmm. said, quote, One false allegation is that our officers helped the rioters and acted as tour guides, unquote. This is outrageous, he said, and false. This department, he said, stands by the officers in the video that were shown last night. Those officers, he said, did their best to de-escalate tactics and tried to talk rioters into getting each other to leave the building. Now, Diane, I've got to say, Thomas Manger is the Capitol Police Chief now, but he wasn't in that position on the day in question. Stephen Sund was the Capitol Police Chief on the day in question, and what he told Sean Hannity about it was staggering. Well, problem here is they're taking the word of someone who was not the police chief on the day the supposed insurrection took place, but only became police chief after the fact had even happened. And yet we're supposed to believe the after the fact happened person as opposed to the actual police chief who was there. Now, Stephen Sund, the the police chief who was there at the time, really lays out in the video that I've got embedded in the blog exactly what went wrong and why. And it's stunning to sit there and listen to him. But is it any wonder that the Jan 6 committee did not want Sund to testify? And I'll get back to Manger in a little bit. But the lying was not confined to liberals. In the days since Tucker Carlson aired portions of those videos, several Republicans, aside from Mitch McConnell, including Senator Tom Tillis, Senator Kevin Kramer, Senator Mike Rounds, Senator Mitt Romney, Senator John Thune, Senator John Kennedy, and Representative Dan Crenshaw, along with Senator Lindsey Graham, all Republicans, and some of them with common sense, also made statements about how wrong it was for Carlson and Fox News to actually show portions of the video to the public. They, like the liberals, actually advocate maintaining the lies, hiding the videos to prevent the public from seeing what really occurred that day, and censoring the media figure who is just trying to expose and separate the truth from the lies. 
Some of them are saying the video should be given to more than just one outlet. Why? So that the same propagandists who've been lying about it for the past two years can tell more lies? Mm-hmm. Here's a grand idea. Why not make all 40,000 hours of that J6 video downloadable to the general public? Rather than having to rely on liars or Tucker Carlson to tell us what to think, let us see the video for ourselves and make up our own minds. Well, that's exactly what House Speaker Kevin McCarthy now says he's going to do, which now has liberals so mad they're vibrating. Excuse me, they're vibrating. Once all that video becomes available to the general public, gone will be the argument that Tucker Carlson has been cherry-picking the evidence. Okay, back to this Thomas Manger, who accuses Tucker Carlson of that cherry-picking, but Manger's claim is not what Diane Sori and I saw while we watched the live coverage. It's not what we see in the official security videos, and it is, by and large, not what was seen outside the Capitol by citizen journalists as Capitol Police removed barricades and opened doors. It clearly was not what we saw when Ashley Babbitt was murdered, as at the moment in question, Capitol Police were either just standing there or trying to get away from the protesters and walking down the hallway. They were calmly walking down the stairs away from the hallway. None of this is to say that Capitol Police officers were not injured. They were. More than 100 of them were injured. None of this is to say there wasn't violence on that day. There was. But the question becomes, who did it? Now, given the fact that hundreds of Trump rallies took place in the five years before January 6, 2021, and absolutely zero featured violence against the police, given that hundreds of Antifa riots took place during the 2020 Summer of Love, and every single one of those did feature violence against the police, and Diane, given that the violence outside the Capitol where most of those injured were at the time they were injured began almost an hour before Trump finished his speech on the mall, and that not one Trump event over the years leading up to January 6th had Trump supporters leaving venues early, people are left to do the math themselves. Yeah, but you know, Craig, when you boil everything down to it, basically everything is just trying to pull the wool over we the people's eyes. They're trying to convince us that what we saw is not what happened. Well, what happened that day uh, was or I should say that what happened that day was an insurrection, was a lie. That it was armed, deadly, and a mob was a lie. That Mm -hmm. Capitol Police were killed by the armed, angry mob was a lie. The January 6th committee was full of liars, and the narrative of propaganda told by the mainstream media for the past two years was all lies, while the official January 6th report was a pack of lies. And perhaps the biggest lie of all in the ongoing liberal lie is that President Trump incited the so-called insurrection. Clearly, that's a lie, and video, once again, reveals the truth. So, 
Why have we been told for the better part of two years regarding what happened that day was what other than what we saw? Why are so many people in jail, more than 500 of which have not even been given a trial? Why are elected officials from both sides of the aisle so upset over the truth finally being exposed? And why is the mainstream media continuing to propagandize January 6th for political purposes? That J6 was an insurrection is a lie. And the video, hidden for better than two years, proves it to be a lie. The same ilk that lied about Russian collusion, quid pro quo, Hunter's laptop, voter fraud, and so many other things, elected officials in the mainstream media are the entities that directly led to J6. And now, those same entities have, for the past two years, continued to lie, and today they continue to lie about it. Carlson said it was all meant to diminish Trump and prevent him from winning another election. But I believe it goes deeper, much deeper than that. We've been lied to, and people have been imprisoned based on a mountain of lies to intimidate we the people from ever challenging the status quo and calling into question the power of those we elect. There is the true threat to our constitutional republic, because when the people challenge mob rule, and mob rule is exactly what a democracy is, the democracy is finished, and we return to a government of, by, and for the people. That is the real bottom line. That's true. But until we get people to understand that this country is not a democracy, we are a constitutional government, we are representative government, they are elected to do the bidding of the people, not have the government oversee every aspect of our lives, not to lie, cheat, steal in the name of democracy. Until we realize that we are not a democracy, I don't think anything will ever be solved here. You know, the word democracy has kind of become a catch-all. You know, like yes, like like Kleenox, Kleenex yeah. or Xerox machine. You know, um, what we have is a constitutional republic. A democracy yes. is mob rule. Now, I think a lot of people and a lot of smart people get caught up in using the catch-all word rather than talking about what it really is, because it's, you know, constitutional republic takes longer to say than democracy. Um, yeah, but it's wrong. <laughs> it, but, it, but it's wrong. But that's not my point, okay? The, the point is, I think, I think there are some smart people that get caught up in using that term, okay? And they, and they, and they just don't think about it the way it, the way it should be thought about but i think They've there's been all, but i think there's also an enormous amount of people and i'm talking about the left side of the aisle that truly want us to be a democracy they want us to be led by mob rule and they use that term to indoctrinate us into thinking to believing it's democracy if we hear it over and over and over and over again Pretty soon, people are going to start to figure, well, that's what it is. We're just a democracy. Right. Now, it's not just people from the left. As I said, the lies weren't just being told by the left. You got Mitch McConnell and all those other people I named that are Republicans, 
but they also want mob rule because mob rule means more power for them. It's all about control. Everything boils down to who controls the masses. Right, right. And that's that's, what it boils down to. Now, at, at the time that I published this, Kevin McCarthy was talking about you know, making this eventually downloadable, all 40,000 hours. Boy, folks, if you're looking for a hobby, <laughs> you, you, can, you can binge watch 40,000 hours eventually, right? Now, he, you know, he was talking about, well, you know, maybe we'll just download, make this downloadable to all the general public. Now, yesterday, he was also talking about releasing it to other news outlets now that Tucker has gone through this. Now, I guarantee you that other news outlets will continue to show what what they have shown for two years. And, and you know what that is? That's, that's video from outside the Capitol. That's right. different from the video inside the Capitol. Oh, of the, course. The only video you've really ever seen from inside the Capitol on any continuing basis is the QAnon shaman. Right. Okay. Who's still languishing in jail for what? For nothing. Right. Now, you've seen him uh, on the mainstream media over and over ad nauseum in the Senate chamber. And you've seen him standing in the hallway. Okay, Tucker shows you video. I did not include any of those videos. If you want to see those videos, go to YouTube and find Tucker. He did a fantastic job of showing you those videos. That's why I didn't show him. You want to see him? Go look up Tucker Carlson's show and watch him there. Um, But he shows the QAnon shaman actually strolling through the Capitol by himself. Now, this is a guy that the leftists told us for years was the leader of the angry armed mob. (laughs) Well, once he got into the Capitol, he was all by himself, except for a couple of Capitol police officers that were going around trying to find and open doors for him. Yeah, that's what's amazing. Yeah, The, The guy gets into the Senate chamber and actually says a shaman's prayer of thanks to the police. Craig, this was a setup from the get-go. Boy, because it Pelosi and crew, they had their instigators in it. Uh, I think in the end, they're going to find a true Nancy Pelosi connection. I, I think so. I don't think you have to dig very far. And I think witness number one is the guy who was the Capitol Police Chief, on the day in question. Right. And if, if you watch, I've got six videos loaded into this blog, folks. But if you watch that one of Stephen Sund, it will leave your mouth hanging open. You can see exactly what Nancy Pelosi had to do with this. Now, oh, yes. all yes. that said, there's two places you can get your hands on this. You can go to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com. Or you can go to rspradio1.com. Either place, just like with Diane's, you can find the link to this commentary. You can watch all six videos in there. You can see the hypocrisy of the left. It's dripping from this commentary. You can see Stephen Sund. You can see the truth behind Donald Trump, quote-unquote, inciting the riot. Right? And I hope you share this. I think people need to see more of this. And 
I, I should have put it in in the, the piece. I didn't. I could add it, I suppose, at the bottom. If you really want to see the video of what transpired inside the Capitol on January 6, 2021, go to Tucker's website. Go to Fox News website. Go to YouTube and, and ask YouTube to let you see Tucker Carlson's shows from last week. He's got the video. He shows you what was going on. I don't need to show that to you. He did too good a job. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Craig, when you boil it down to what we saw what happened on January 6th, we saw the truth because we watched it live as it was happening. We didn't need a videotape to tell us the truth. You and I were on Skype that day, and we were watching this thing transpire live on television. Yes. And at one point I said, yeah, because they kept calling it an insurrection, and you kept saying, where's the insurrection? I don't see an insurrection. And at one point I said, this is the most orderly insurrection I've ever seen. They're single this file. Was- I said, they're single file walking through the Capitol Rotunda, and they're not yeah. even going over the rope line. This was staged and orchestrated by the left. The one true tragedy out of all this is Ashley Babbitt and the guy who got away with her murder. Right. right. That's a true tragedy. You know, this this is this is very telling. The, the videos that Tucker showed were very telling, and so are the videos I included in this that had nothing to do with what happened inside the Capitol that day. Right. Um, folks, get Diane's uh, op-ed at thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com. Get my commentary at thenationalpatriot.com, or get them both at rspradio1.com. But with that, Diane, we've run out of time. Well, with that, we'll say nighty-night. Good night, everybody. Have a great weekend, or a great week. We'll catch up with you on Friday, which happens to be St. Patty's Day. Woohoo! Oh, dear. Corned beef and cabbage. You betcha. Bye-bye, folks.